as we continue our study through God's Word in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. But then it says this very specific thing about the church. It says, "...and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied." Walking in the fear of the Lord literally means the fear of the Lord led over or carried over or transferred over into every area of their life. Now, in the Proverbs and in the Psalms, we know that the fear of the Lord brings wisdom. The Bible tells us the fear of the Lord brings knowledge and stability and salvation. And we know it brings the hatred of evil. It brings confidence and safety. It brings vitality of life. It brings satisfaction and contentment. And also, having the fear of the Lord leads to a departure from sin. So, for those of you that might be wondering, what does that phrase, the fear of the Lord, mean? Well, the fear of the Lord means that we have a reverence and respect for the Lord's Word, what God's Word says, His his Bible, and for His will. So in Acts 9.31 where it says, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and if we combine walking in and the fear of the Lord, Acts 9.31 could be read like this. The church's reverence and respect of the Lord's Word and the Lord's will carried over into every area of their lives. And so as we see, that the reverence and respect of God's Word and God's will carries over into every area of our lives, we're going to be looking at three fears that the fear of the Lord enables us to overcome. Now, i like to share with you something real quickly. This principle that we're going to be looking at tonight, uh, today from God's Word is a principle that the Lord walked me through during one of the most difficult years of my life. This is also the same principle that I had the great uh, privilege to be able to share with senior pastors. Uh, This is the same principle that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning in our message entitled, Zero and the Hero. So the message this morning is entitled, Zero and the Hero. And we're going to see how the fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of anxiety, the fear of failure, and the fear of self-worth. So, point number one this morning is this. The fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of anxiety. Anxiety. Anxiety, if you've struggled with this or know somebody that does, anxiety is a very powerful thing. It can be defined as the distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. Did you know that there are over 40 million people in the United States that struggle with anxiety or that have anxiety disorders? If I could just ask you a question to begin with this morning, have you ever noticed how we can bear the pressure of provision? The pressure of provision. How are we going to pay for this? Or how am I going to pay for that? 
Where are we going to find somebody to watch the kids while we go to work that we trust and is reputable and has good reviews on Yelp or whatever it might be? We've had friends that have referenced this particular uh, uh, person or uh, school or whatever it might be. You know, we ask ourselves, what if I can't provide for my family? What if my business slows down and we have to lay people off? Or maybe you would just say, and you acknowledge, man, I am so blessed right now. I've seen the Lord bless us in so many ways, but what if these blessings aren't here tomorrow? What if I can't maintain the pace necessary to live in Orange County? What if I'm too old? What if I'm too young? Or maybe you're just at a point in life where you look at the things happening and you just said to yourself, this just doesn't make sense. And you can go to bed with those anxieties and you can wake up the next day with those same things that are weighing heavy on your mind and on your heart. And you wake up the next day and the next day and the next day with the same thing. I don't know how I can do all this work. Or I don't know how I can maintain this pressure. Or I don't know how I can just keep on going. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, anxiety is the opposite of certainty. Where you just don't understand it, you don't get it, and you don't know how it's going to work itself out. As a Christian, if you grew up in the church or if you've been following the Lord for some time, no doubt you have heard numerous times that the Lord is your provider. God is your provider. And you've no doubt heard that more than once in your lifetime. I mean, but how many times have we intellectually grasped the concept of Jehovah Jireh, which is in the Old Testament a description of the God who provides? We've intellectually understood that, but we've not owned it personally until we've experienced it powerfully. Because the Lord does allow times of testing. The times when our faith is refined in order for us to overcome anxiety by faith in Jesus Christ. Understanding that God, He is our provider. He's your provider. He provides for you and furthermore, He's the one that provides for your family. Thus, the pressure of provision respectfully, and I would even add appropriately, rests on the shoulders of none other than the Lord's. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, it says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. We'll get to the point where we must humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I need Your help. Lord, this is beyond me. We have to admit that we just can't cover it. That we can't you know, foot the bill, if you will. See, it says in 1 Peter 5, casting all your care. That word for care in the Greek language can literally mean anxieties. Worries. Casting all your anxieties, all your worries, all your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. He cares for your spouse more than you do. He cares for your kids more than you do. 
And as crazy as it may seem upon hearing this, He cares for you more than you care for you. See, knowing the Word of God helps us to know the will of God. And as we walk in the fear of the Lord, it overcomes the fear of anxiety because of this. Because my reverence and respect of God's Word leads my decisions and my attitudes. Not my feelings, not my emotions, not others' opinions. The Word of God shows me the will of the Lord. The Word of God shows me the things that I know to be truth that are not based upon chemical imbalances. They're not based upon stressful days. They're not based upon anything other than the truth of who God is. Because sometimes the heat gets turned up. But the Lord is allowing that to take place in order for His perfect work to be accomplished in your life. It's not accidental. It's not this random occurrence. The Lord is allowing these things so that His work in your life may be accomplished at this very moment. This is what you need. And what ends up happening is that your fear of the Lord crushes the fear of anxiety because you're honoring the Lord's will and His Word above your will and your situation and your feelings. So when your emotions want to run, you hold on to what is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is the truth found in God's Word. When your mind wants to go somewhere it ought not to be going, you then refocus upon what God's Word says. And understanding the will of the Lord will come from understanding the Word of the Lord. And that's why we spend time in the Scriptures. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 30-33. through now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But then Jesus says, in verse 33 of Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things that you might have a propensity to worry about will be added to you. So the fear of the Lord empowers us to overcome the fear of anxiety and the pressure of provision. The Lord is your provider. The Lord knows the things that you need even before you know the things that you need. I remember not too long ago, I was driving in my car and I was thinking, I was praying about certain things that I felt that I needed. Lord, I could really use some help in this area because of this, that, and the other thing. And then the Lord spoke to me this verse, you know, where the Lord knows the things that I need before I even ask for them. And so Lord, wait a second, you know the things that I need before I ask for them well, I don't have those things right now. And then all of a sudden, in my own mind, I started putting two and two together that if I don't have those things that I think that I need and the Lord knows the things that I need before I know of the things that I need, then that must mean that I don't need those things that I think I need. And I just kind of went like this. Oh. Alright, Lord, well, give me the strength to do what I need to do with the things that You've given me. So you continue to work hard as unto the Lord. 
You continue to do, to do the best that you can do with what God has given you to work with. You continue to seek the Lord and do your best to be faithful in your job. But you don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't allow the fear from the world to infiltrate your lives. Those are the things that people without Christ worry about. Your Heavenly Father knows the things that you need before you even ask of them. So the fear of the Lord overcomes many different things. And point number one was the fear of the Lord overcomes anxiety and helps us with the pressure of provision. Secondly, point number two, the fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Now, let me ask you another question. Have you ever noticed how we can bear the pressure of performance? Performance pressure. Like, how much money do you make? How many cars do you have? Do you own your own home? Or are you just a renter? Pressure. Where are you going on vacation this year? Where do you like to shop at? Maybe you've been compared to someone else. Or maybe, probably worse yet, you've compared yourself to someone else. Maybe you have set for yourself unattainable goals. Maybe, due to social media, you constantly feel like you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. Or cool enough. I mean, wow. What can you say? They just listed 95,000 separate reasons for loving each other. Man. How can I have that type of relationship that they have in the movies? How can we have the type of dream life that it, it appears that all the people I follow on Instagram have? Look at them. Happy, smiling, loving life, looking good, hair's on point, makeup's on point, fitness is on point, or whatever it might be. And then you look at yourself in everyday real life and you think, not on point, or whatever it might be. So all of a sudden, your life isn't good anymore. Your life isn't good anymore. You only had five people like your posts, and within a minute, they had 555. So you just are falling way short. You're a failure. You're not doing a good enough job. Might I just say one word? Stop! Where is this coming from? In John 21, verse 22, Jesus said, in regards to people comparing themselves to other people, Jesus was talking about some disciples and the plan for their life. And then they said, well, what about these guys over here? And Jesus said, if I will that this particular guy remain till I come, what is that to you? How about you follow me? We want to look at other people. And maybe the Lord would put something upon our heart or call us to do something or bless us with a certain amount of blessings and we'll say, wow, Lord, but what about them? I saw what You did for them over there. What about me? And He says, what about them? How about you follow me? I'll take care of them. I'll take care of you. So you do you and let them do them and everything will be okay. Because Satan wants to steal your peace with anxiety and he wants to kill your joy with fear of failure leading to performance pressure. I mean, what is the metric for success? 
What is the standard of God's blessings? Are more things more blessings? Well, I I guess that probably depends on what kind of condition they're in. I'm just kidding about that. But back on point, listen to what Paul said. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. If my sufficiency is from God, then that means the performance pressure is not upon me, but rather from the Lord working through me. This word for sufficiency in the Greek language can be translated ability or competency. To do a thing is from God. When he says that my sufficiency is from God, he's saying my ability or competency to accomplish something comes from the Lord. So our ability or competency to do this thing called life, or marriage, or family, or business, or friendships, or whatever it is, is from God. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. This means that you're the zero. You're the zero. John 15, uh, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Nothing. You're the zero, Jesus is the hero. And what this means is that the best you or I can do in our own strength is nothing. Zilch. Zero. That's the best we can do. And honestly, it's by God's grace that we're not negative zero. That means if you have the perspective that without Jesus, I can't do anything, and that the best that I can do is zero, so Jesus is the hero, that means that anything over zero is a supernatural work of God bringing the increase. It's a work of the Lord. We shall no longer bear the pressure, bear the burden of performing. I hope this morning that this sets you free in understanding that the greatest enemy of contentment is comparison. Comparing yourself to others. Comparing your ideas of success to God's ideas of success. Hopefully from this day forward we'll be more thankful than ever. Because in 1 Corinthians 3.7 it says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You might be planting, you might be watering, and you're doing what God's called you to do. You're working hard. You're doing what you do unto the Lord. Whatever that may be. But Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Paul writes and says, you're watering, you're planting, but God gives the increase. So success is being obedient to what God has called you to do. You do the obeying and God does the performing. God hasn't called you to fail. Following God's plan for your life is never a failure. So why don't you just give yourself a break? Give the Lord as you cast your cares upon Him the pressure of performing. Enjoy what God's doing right now. Enjoy what God is doing right now in your life. Realize that your enemy would 
who we know as Satan would be very happy to have you be so paralyzed by fear and so concerned about your chances of failure that you never step out in faith and do what the Lord's called you to do. I pray that from this church, and I pray for your life, that a shout would go out from your life that is heard around the world. what the Lord's doing in you right now that you can rejoice in. The fear of the Lord helps us overcome anxiety. The fear of the Lord helps us overcome the fear of failure. Don't be trapped. Thirdly, we see that the fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of self-worth. Self-worth. Hmm. Have you ever noticed in life, and I think that we brought it upon ourselves because of how in our school systems we're teaching the children that their life is an accident. You might say, well, where do they say that? Well, they're teaching them that they are part of the fortuitous occurrences of accidental circumstances that have happened over millions or billions of years. That your life is an accident, that it doesn't have purpose, but we hope that you have self-esteem. We hope that you you understand that you have some sort of value as an accident. And so we brought a lot of that upon ourselves. But I think that we've seen in our culture as a whole that there is a pressure for purpose. That there are people that are searching for a reason to be alive. I think this question, what is my purpose in life, is one of the reasons why our suicide rate is so high. Because people have no hope. And they don't realize that God has created them for a purpose and for a reason. Unfortunately, more often than not, we will find our value, self-worth, or our purpose in things that we do. Things that we can do. You know, when I was a lot younger in high school, I had wrestled with this. This doesn't mean that this is limited to high school or junior high or 20s, 30s, 40s. It doesn't matter. It can hit you wherever. But for me, I remember specifically, I was a basketball player. That was my identity. We won CIF. We were number one. The number one ranked team in Orange County. I received a scholarship. I played college basketball. For you younger people wondering what in the world I'm saying right now, this is what we refer to as the glory days. (laughs) But the moment you're in a shooting slump, the same crowd that was cheering you is booing you. The people that wanted to hang out with you don't want to hang out with you. Man, loyalty in those days was scarce. Man, my value, my self-worth was found in the sole purpose of putting a ball in a a round hoop. Slightly dramatizing this, but when I was done putting putting the ball through the hoop at a high percentage, might I add, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I said to myself, who am I? What do I do good now? Where's my value? My self-worth? What do I have to be good at? What will make people like me now? What makes me important? 
Maybe you've had similar feelings. Maybe the details of your situation are different, but the feelings are there just the same where you're kind of wrestling. Like, where's my value? What's my purpose? The fear of self-worth is a terrible fear because it is completely contingent upon what you do or do not do. Maybe it could be you're a businessman. So when my business is growing and big, I'm valuable. When my income is shrinking and sales are dropping, I'm not valuable. You know, if my kids think that I'm amazing, I'm an amazing dad. I have worth. And if they don't, I'm devastated. Man, if my wife thinks that I'm Superman, well, look out. If I feel like she can't stand me, then I'm nothing. When people say nice things about me, ah, let's top off that self-esteem. That's great. When you hear someone say something negative about you, when you hear them tell someone how much they can't stand you after you thought you were friends, it's like, ouch. Maybe you're young. And when you're young, nobody thinks that you're important. You don't know what you're talking about, man. When you've lived life long enough, then you can say something. Or maybe you're older. And the reverse applies to that. Hey, Pops, you're so old and out of touch, you don't even know what reality is anymore. And so you get the young, you get the old, maybe feeling like they have no idea what each other are thinking. I mean, do you see where this goes? Having the fear of the Lord smashes this fear of self-worth because you truly understand that your identity and that your value is in Christ alone. That's it. It's not about what you do, but it's rather about what Jesus has already done for you on the cross. So your value is not found in how great of a leader you are, how great of a father you are, how great of a mother, how great of a husband, how great of a wife, how great of a person. Your value, your worth is found in the person of Jesus. Maybe you'd feel... Like saying to me right now, well, you know, I don't really feel like I have a purpose. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't even think I even have one. Well, if I could just reply to you quite frankly, it's not about your purpose, it's about God's purpose. Job 42 verse 2 says, and this was Job speaking to the Lord, he said, Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Withheld from you. Lord, no purpose of Yours can be withheld from You. So Lord, if You have a purpose for my life, which I believe that You do because I'm not basing my relationship with You or my, 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 uh, my, my closeness to You upon my feelings or emotions, but rather upon the Word of God, so I'm removing anxiety, I'm removing this fear of failure, I'm now dealing with this fear of self-worth, I understand that I want my life, my value, and my purpose to be attached to God's purpose. Whatever that may look like. Because if no purpose of God's can be withheld from Him, that means that the purpose He has from my, from my life, for your life, is going to be accomplished. That means that whatever it is that He's called you to do, that if you attach yourself to the purposes of God, then those things will take place. And if your self-worth is attached to something that can be taken away, then it's attached to the wrong thing. 
Because everything else, even good things, apart from finding your self-worth in Jesus, can be taken away. It can be. Maybe your value, your self-worth is attached to a skill that you have. What happens when that skill's gone? Athlete gets injured. A model has a car accident. A mathematician has a stroke. You can apply this to so many different things. See, your value is in the fact that you understand and know the Lord. Listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. It says, Thus, this is what Jeremiah writes Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows Me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. You can lose money. Your possessions can be stolen. They can be destroyed. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Your brain isn't going to last forever. There's always more information out there to acquire. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Physical power only lasts so long. One thing could completely knock it out. So the Lord says, if you want to glory in something, Glory in this. That you understand and know the Lord. You understand Him. You understand His Word. You seek Him. You understand that He exercises loving kindness, judgment, righteousness. Because if you delight yourself in the Lord and you seek Him and you understand those things, the Lord says, that's what I take pleasure in. In those things I delight, says the Lord. And so whether you're wrestling with anxiety, wrestling with a fear of failure, wrestling with your own self-worth, and and honestly, sometimes people can experience things that jade them in those areas. Maybe somebody has mistreated you. Maybe you have mistreated yourself or others and you kind of are carrying that pain with you. There's nothing too great that God is not greater still. There is nothing that you've experienced that God's power is not more powerful to help you and to heal and to get you through that. But if you set your heart towards the Lord, you determine and make it a regular practice that your fear of the Lord is your number one priority, then you will start to see that these things that in the past have had such a hold on you, or that you have wrestled with in a, in a major way, they will start to diminish. I'm not saying that this is easy. The Bible doesn't say that this is easy. The Bible doesn't tell, tell us that this happens instantly or if it takes a long time. I think for each person, according to God's knowledge of your life, that that timing can vary based upon the Lord's perfect will for your life. But what I do know is what God's Word says. And if you allow the fear of the Lord, your relationship with the Lord, 
that respect and reverence for God's word and God's will in your life to supersede everything else, you will see these things fall by the wayside. For the fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of anxiety and the pressure of provision. The fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of failure and the pressure of performance. And then the fear of the Lord overcomes the fear of self-worth and the pressure of purpose. And so I'll just ask you this morning as we wrap this up, which fear are you going to choose? The fear that comes over you or the fear that overcomes? In Acts 9.31 again, it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, they had peace and they were edified. Means the people in those churches, they had peace and they were built up spiritually. And it says, And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So may we take this scripture and apply it on the personal level so that it could be read of us. I put my name in this so that I could apply it personally. Garrods, reverence, and respect of the Lord's Word and the Lord's will carried over into every area of His life. May it be said of us that our reverence, our respect of the Lord's Word and the Lord's will carried over into every area of our lives. The fear of the Lord gives us the victory over the fears in this world. And listen, if you've been caught up in any of these things, it's completely normal. Apart from Christ, we are controlled by the things that I've mentioned already today. Every single one of them, if not more, probably more. I felt like narrowing it down to three major things that we as human beings deal with. Things that we struggle with. You may have even been struggling with this this past week. Maybe it's something that you wrestle with constantly. How about not anymore? How about we believe in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that is able to save and to help and to change and to transform? That's who we believe in. Almighty God, we have forgotten as a people, we have forgotten as a church, the power that the Lord owns. That He's mighty to save. It's not just some song that we sing before you know, the teaching portion of the service starts. It's actually a truth of God's Word. He is mighty to save you. No matter what. This is what we need to be reminded of as a church because we serve a mighty God, yet we forget how mighty that power is and then we live to feed lives not knowing God's will, not knowing God's Word. And so today, I hope that you hone in on these three things. I've struggled with these things. I think it's safe to say that all of us at some point in our life have struggled or will struggle with these things. So it's important to know the will of the Lord and walking in the fear of the Lord. The people of God had peace and they were built up in their relationship with Him.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this church that we can call home. And Lord, I pray that you would please continue to give us victory in these areas that we looked at today. And I ask, Lord, if there are those that are struggling with anxiety, this fear of anxiety, this fear of failure, this fear of self-worth, Lord, I ask, God, that You would please conquer that fear. For, Lord, You've not given them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Lord, Your perfect love drives away all fear. And so, Lord, today, in the quietness and privacy of our own hearts, I Lord, ask that we would ask for help. If, we have, if we've allowed certain fears to creep into our life, Lord, that are affecting us personally, that are affecting our relationships, maybe even our marriage, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's just how we interact in life, Lord, I pray that we would be convicted of these things and Lord, that when the hearing of this study ends, that the beginning of action would begin. And Lord, that we would not just be hearers, but doers. And so Lord, set the captive free. Thank You, Jesus, that You said whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so whether they're here in person, whether they're watching this from some other place, whether they're going to see this in an archive somewhere, Lord, we ask, God, that Your Holy Spirit would move in the lives of Your people. And Lord, that You would help us to be free from these things by having the fear of the Lord. And Lord, we ask for these things in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Let's